like it felt like that they're the equivalent of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> like there's nothing to be ashamed of with having a disability. Yeah. Like- Welcome to Psychocinematic, the podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular film and TV. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of this land that we record on today. I would also like to pay respect to the elders, both past and present of the Kulin Nation, and extend that respect to other Aboriginal people who are listening here today. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And I'd like to acknowledge the people of Boonwurrung of the Kulin Nation. Well, welcome to the podcast, Peter Hook. It's really amazing to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. I'm so excited to talk to you today, Steph. I'm a huge fan of your podcast, I Can't Stand, um, so it's a real thrill having you on mine today. Do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself and about your podcast and anything else that you've got going on at the moment? Yeah, sure. So hello, everyone. My name's Peter Hook. I'm the host and creator of the I Can't Stand podcast, and I answer questions on what it's actually like to live with a disability. I myself have cerebral palsy, and alternative weeks, I also get people to come in and speak to me who also have have a disability because I only know what it's like to have cerebral palsy. I don't know what it's like to have other disabilities. And I myself am learning every day. Like I only got a message 15 minutes ago about certain terms for the deaf community. So I really, I really love that. And I love learning. And I think that's what's so great about having a podcast is while our audiences are learning with us. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think when I first started Psychocinematic, one of the first things I said is this, it's really designed to be an evolving podcast because I'm learning lots about disability and mental illness in in movies and in the world. Um, so it's really awesome to keep having that learning experience as an able-bodied and as a disabled person as well. So... Thank you. So I picked something for us to discuss today, which is the Netflix show special, uh, which was started in 2019 and finished up last year by Ryan O'Connell. I watched the show and I really, really enjoyed it and I really wanted to talk about it on the podcast. So I thought I'd take a gamble and ask you to join me in discussing it. Had you seen the show before um, we discussed it? No. So I think I looked at my Netflix history and I think I watched like 15 minutes of the first season and I was like, "Mm, this doesn't feel like it's for me. So no, I watched uh, both series specifically for this podcast. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, the, the hardest thing about doing this podcast is having to prepare and watch things beforehand. Um, so I really appreciate that. And I guess I want to start by saying, what did you think of the show just, you know, off the top of your head? Well, firstly, I want to preface by saying I'm only one person with one opinion. My mm-hmm. opinion, you know, doesn't have to necessarily ring true for everyone. And I also want to really say it's I'm so happy that Ryan O'Connell created this series because I think this sort of representation is very important for many people, both the non-disabled community and the disabled community to have that sort of representation through television. But overall, I really, really struggled with the series. Okay. I really want to know what you struggled with the most. And I'll just start off with a really quick plot. And I tend to waffle these, so I'm going to be really quick. (laughs) So the show we're doing today is called Special by Ryan O'Connell. 
It's a show featuring cerebral palsy by someone with cerebral palsy that tackles a million different issues relating to disability, sexuality, parenting, so many things. It's based on a memoir by Ryan O'Connell called I'm Special and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves to Get Through Our Twenties. It was produced by Jim Parsons from The Big Bang Theory and his husband, Todd Spywalk. So just for our audience, what is cerebral palsy? Cerebral palsy is a group of disorders that affect movement and muscle tone or posture. It's caused by damage that occurs to the immature developing brain, most often before birth. Signs and symptoms appear during infancy or preschool years. In general, cerebral palsy can accord impaired movements associated with exaggerated reflexes, quote-unquote floppiness or spasticity of the limbs and trunk, unusual posture, involuntary movements, unsteady walking or some combination of these. The cause of cerebral palsy and its effect on function can vary greatly. Some people with cerebral palsy can walk, others need assistance. Some people have intellectual disabilities, but others do not. Epilepsy, blindness or deafness also might be present. Cerebral palsy is a lifelong disorder. There's no cure, but treatments can help improve function. Special is about Ryan, who lives with his overprotective mother, Karen Hayes, played by Jessica Hecht. Karen is very overprotective as Ryan has cerebral palsy. Ryan decides to try to challenge himself by applying to be an intern at Eggwoke as a journalist or writer, but he tells his co-workers that he was hit by a car and they assume that's why he presents the way he does because of the traffic accident. He decides to let this misunderstanding continue rather than tell them the truth that he has CP. He rebrands himself. Instead of being disabled, he just fractured an elbow in an accident. Ryan is befriended by fellow writer Kim, played by Poonam Patel, who also blogs for Eggwoke. But Kim has issues with her body and his mum Karen is afraid of being alone. So Ryan has to come to grips with these problems too. So the episodes follow Ryan as he overcomes lots of injustices in his workplace and in the community. He eventually moves out of his mother's house, reveals to others at Eggwork that he has CP. And in the end, Ryan learns to be true to himself and goes off to live his life on his own terms. And season two is very much about relationship juggling. He's now living by himself, um, has a relationship with um, someone who's in an open relationship, Tanner, and also starts to date Henry, who is on the autism spectrum. And then his friend is also going through her own relationship issues. But also there's a storyline with him and his mum sort of starting to like let go of each other and him being more independent and her sort of experiencing life without Ryan as her number one priority. So there we go. I think I've summarised that. Is there anything I missed, Peter? No, I think that probably encapsulates it. I think with Ryan having cerebral palsy, that was very much the focus of the whole of the whole series, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And I think to start the conversation, we, what we do with this podcast is talk about you know, some sort of criteria of whether it sort of passes the test of representation. And the first one being lived experience. Well, Ryan O'Connell does have cerebral palsy. So he's someone who, who has it, has was written a memoir about it and then turned that memoir into a TV show. And there's also other people, particularly in season two, that have disabilities in there as well. Danielle Perez and Nicole Lynn Evans, particularly in the support group. Um, And also Henry is played by Buck Andrews, who has autism and is also queer, as his character is as well. And I was just sort of looking through, apparently Ryan didn't actually intend on acting in the show, but then it sort of ended up that he would because it sounds like Netflix gave him a very medium deal like it wasn't a huge deal so they couldn't afford to hire anyone because it was very bare bones so he decided to oh that's interesting yeah 
on assumption, I would have thought that the way the character presented his cerebral palsy would have been very important. So as somebody with cerebral palsy, if I was in his position writing his story, I think that I would want myself to do it because, you know, no one's mimicking cerebral palsy. His lived experience is true. So that's very surprising. And I wonder if they were looking to hire someone, if he would have gone down the route of of finding someone who did, you know, adequately meet the description of cerebral palsy and didn't have to, um, yeah, mimic it. But con- considering in season two, they probably had a bit more of a budget. They did have disabled actors played. Hopefully, that's that's the route he would have gone down anyway. And I really do like the inclusion of Buck Andrews with autism, and you can see his his stemming in the show because that's not something we see often in TV shows. And I ju- I recently did an episode about Atypical with Eric Garcia. And that was an example of someone who is putting on autism as a costume. So it's nice to see some actual autistic actors playing autistic characters. Is there anything else there in terms of lived experience that you liked or didn't like? Oh, lots. Um, Tell me all of them. (laughs) I, I, I think that my biggest, and I've really reflected over the past two weeks while I was watching the show, and I think probably the biggest challenge is to better understand who the series was for. So who's, who was the series for people who had no experience with disability or was it for people with disabilities to view themselves on television? Now, I would say it's quite difficult to balance both. I would say they were trying to do both. But as somebody with a disability, I find it really hard to be represented because Ryan's experience in his life couldn't be further from mine. So I find it really frustrating for myself to think this is what people think my life is going to be just because he has the same diagnosis as myself. Absolutely. Um, And he does say a few times on the show, like there's even one point that he says he just has a sprinkle of cerebral palsy, which is I'll, I won't put any judgment on that term, but his mum even uses the words high functioning at, at one time, which I don't love as well. Are you able, are you comfortable telling us, Peter, how it contrasts with your own experience of CP? Yeah, of course. So this isn't a visual medium. So for those <laughs> who can't see me, I'm sitting in an electric wheelchair. I can't walk, stand or transfer independently. So I use um, equipment and a, a mobility, mobility aids to help me get through the day. I live independently, just like mine does, alone, which I love. I can drive a car. I've got university degrees. I am very comfortable in my disability in myself and I've had great encouragement both from family, friends and I feel very supported myself as a person. So I think when you see things like that Ryan didn't have any friends, the fact he didn't struggle to gain employment really annoyed me. There was lots of things that I'm like, it was such a missed opportunity. What do you think would have been better to see in this show that would have been a little bit more aligned with your experience? And again, this is where I think it's really difficult to represent disability because it varies so much from person to person. So if I sat here and said he should have had a million friends and you know maybe struggled to find employment and following his journey in doing that, that definitely doesn't 
necessarily reflect everyone. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that's where it's really tricky. And yeah, that's that's a really important thing to to keep in mind too. This is Ryan's experience with cerebral palsy, a very specific experience. I'm curious to know. I didn't find out in many of my readings if that was also his real life experience of him and his mum together as well, because there was a God. I hope not. <laughs> There was a big narrative there around what it's like to look after a child with cerebral palsy and some of the struggles that she had and the misconceptions as well and and what other people's support looked like or didn't look like. And that can vary from person to person as well. And I think that's probably where I tend to shy away from watching things that are based on disabled people's lives because I'm always hesitant that it's not going to reflect my life and I get really frustrated and I think this is why people don't understand me, understand disability as a whole. But again, I think any representation is better than nothing and as we move forward, maybe we'll start and get nuanced representations of what it is to live with a disability. Mm -hmm. For you, what in this show did seem quite accurate compared to your experience in in living with a disability such as cerebral palsy? I think probably I, I found his balance at work with the points of where he uses his disability to get ahead with work really resonated with me. Like it, it took me a long time to sort of bite the bullet and become a disability advocate because when I was younger, I was very hesitant or resistant to just be defined by my disability, Mm -hmm. you know, despite having degrees and all those sorts of things. So I found that really interesting and and I think they did that really well in the show. Yeah, I quite liked um, the sort of journey of acceptance as someone with a disability and when he met the support group, I thought that was a good representation of connecting with others and being a bit more of an advocate and sort of pointing out because when Tanner start, started doing some of those usual tropey things that people tend to say about particular disabilities and pointing out that, that no, that's not how, that's not right. Um, mm. You kind of saw that journey of him accepting that a little bit more. So that did that resonate with you in particular? Yeah, I think even I'm, I mean, I'm getting better, but um, it certainly struck a chord with me in the show with his internalised ableism. Yeah, yeah. It's taken me a long time and I think that was the first time I've ever seen that represented really away from social media. So for me, that was really powerful. Yeah, I thought that too. I I don't think I've ever seen anything with, I haven't seen everything, but referring to internalised ableism for someone with a, with a disability himself. So I thought that was a good representation, um, particularly in the show when he meets the um, person who's hard of hearing or deaf and, and yeah, the way he handles that is quite almost ableist, really. And, the, you know, it comes up quite a few times as well. Yeah, I think um, it, it sort of goes with the fact that we've changed so much as a society over the last sort of... 30 years since I've been born because I was brought up to believe that yes I have a disability but I was so much more than my disability or I was even brought up to think that I didn't have a disability so it's it's very interesting when you're when you are only exposed to people who aren't in the disabled community who are able-bodied how much you internalize their ableism yeah so it it does take 
a bit of a process. What What did you think was the least accurate? There were two two things that really stood out to me. I'm going to start at the very end. At the very end, when he quit his job, like I'm just like, really? There aren't that many people just in general, let alone people with disabilities that have the opportunity to just quit their job and go and help their friend build a business <laughs> without sort of sitting and saving first. Like that really, really annoyed me because I sort of thought like, gosh, so many people with disabilities would kill for his job and to have that sort of security. So yeah, that that really irritated me and that didn't really ring true to me. I think they were sort of trying to tie the end in a nice little bow. A I agree. Much. Yeah, I, th- I saw that and thought, wait, Kim's in like so much debt. How can they pull together an entrepreneurial blogging website? Like what are they, how, that doesn't make any sense. And I guess that's movie magic trying to tie things up. And I think also, I don't think I said this yet, Netflix like cancelled the show after the second season and didn't renew it. And it was like, okay, well, that's it. No more. <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe it was like, oh, we don't have any more episodes. We've just got to quickly tie things together. And hey, this is how it will happen. And yeah, that kind of job in a, uh, in an online newspaper as a journalist, like they're hard to come by in general. So I agree yeah. with I agree with your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, even the fact that he got an internship, I think it was um, at the very beginning. I think it was a missed opportunity to not show that journey of how we got to that point. Yeah, I agree. Because so many people with disabilities struggle. Yeah, for sure. Even just to get their foot in the door. My second thing, for me personally, based on my personal experience, was his relationship with his mother. Um, it really didn't ring true. My parents have always been very encouraging as far as me living the life that I chose to. So like to me, his mother should have been overjoyed that he felt confident to be independent and live his own life because isn't that what every parent wants for their child? And also the fact of her being so uncomfortable with his mannerisms or his struggles in quotation marks to do day-to-day living, to me really didn't ring true because... As somebody with a with cerebral palsy, you go to occupational therapy from a very, very young age to learn those skills. Yeah, yeah. So Ryan would have had those skills by 26? You would think so. <laughs> Given that he, you know, had, was is able to use quite a lot of his body independently and um, had a bit more mobility than others, you would think that. I sort of interpreted it from a psychological perspective because um, I the word codependent gets thrown around a little bit on this um, show. And given that her mum was quite, was so, it sounds like she wasn't a very nice mum, yeah. Ryan's grandmother, um, and just that's those episodes when she passes away, the way it's sort of shown how not very nurturing, not a very caring mother she was, and perhaps in um, sort of overcompensating for that, Ryan's mum was super, super caring, super nurturing and to the point of being stifling and overprotective. But in some ways I think she was not very caring at all. Like some of her language as far as not considering him normal, like, you know, to me a mother, it was like both characters approached, both Ryan and his mother approached his cerebral palsy like it was a new diagnosis. Yeah. For majority of the episodes I felt like, it wasn't like this was their 26th year mm. in living with a disability. It felt all very new 
and sort of not correct. I agree. That's a really good point. Even the beginning of the the series was Ryan, a 26-year-old man, is going to try and work and try and have friends and try and have a relationship. And at no point beforehand had he tried to do any of those things. That seems very inaccurate and not a great representation. Yeah, I mean, the fact that... He thought he had friends, but the friends never turned up or never eventuated. Like he, he'd never met one at least nice person in his entire life that at least made him feel, you know, safe and comfortable. Like to me, that doesn't ring true either. Like there was no conversation about previous to where the series started. Like there was nothing in his teenage years, which I think would have been really interesting when he was on the date With the Hallmark actor, he spoke about lots of surgeries and sort of brushed over it. And to me, that's so much of a foundation of the character that wasn't explored. Especially because he seems very friendly and approachable and has quite a good sense of humour. And I'm sure there's character building that would have given him those traits, which we could have sort of been able to see throughout the show, perhaps, where those traits came from. I know you you thought we might disagree on things, but I think I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. Oh, that's good to know. I'm glad it's not just me. Sometimes you sit here and you're like, oh, I don't know about this. But yeah, a lot of the series really, really made me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And this is why it's really good to have these discussions with with you because as an able-bodied person watching this show and not seeing, you know, much out there that really represents the disabled life, I'm going, oh, this is fantastic. But then when you actually delve into it and from the perspective of someone with that disability, then you can see, you know, well, actually, no, this is really, and it goes back to your previous question, maybe this really is just made for able-bodied viewers more so than the disability community. Yeah, like um, the fact that Ryan got in the bath and was like trying to rub his scars away, like that that really didn't feel right to me, that he all of a sudden felt really uncomfortable in his own body and he wanted to sort of wipe his scars away. It's like cerebral palsy is a brain issue. Even if he had no scars, it wouldn't mean that he wouldn't look like he didn't have cerebral palsy. I, I sort of saw that scene as a um, response to the, the yeah, Hallmark yeah. guy fetishizing him and, and liking his scars. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying and that, that's, that wouldn't make sense to try and erase that part of, of the disability. Well, I'm, I mean, to me, it was more the weird fetishization guy's problem. It wasn't Ryan's problem and I felt it really weird that he didn't sort of say to the guy, I'm really uncomfortable or that didn't really work for me. You know, I'm I'm a person first. And the fact that his only response was to get in the bath and try and wipe his scars away so he wouldn't have to deal with that sort of thing again, just, I don't know, it didn't didn't feel right. I guess though it's not a very helpful and positive message to portray in that if this sort of thing happens to this person, their response is going to be to internalise it and think that I need to change myself when it's really the other person's. And I think that's where the show really let itself down as far as like if its purpose was to talk to non-disabled people, that again is a really great opportunity for the character to educate the person as well as the people watching saying, oh, 
I don't understand why Brian's uncomfortable with this. I thought he would think it's great that the guy found him attractive in that way and really explain why Brian was uncomfortable. I feel like what this what the show does is uses the support group to point those things out, um, like towards the end of the series. So again, a really missed opportunity because they're only in like a couple of episodes. Um, when Ryan mentions to the group what had happened and they're like, they pretty much point it out for what it is and explains why that was uncomfortable and why that wasn't an enjoyable experience. And it's like that they kind of use almost as a tool, the support group to answer those questions. It's almost in an almost lazy way. And I also was really, I was surprised that they presented the group in the way that they did. Like the fact that they're in a circle, the fact like it felt like that they're at the equivalent of alcoholic Alcoholics Anonymous. Like there's nothing to be ashamed of with having a disability. Yeah. Like you're not getting up and saying, this is my 32nd year of having a disability, everyone. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't like if they wanted to make it a bit more natural, why didn't they go hang out at a restaurant or a pub or something like that? Or at least be sort of socialising and having a drink in their hand rather than sitting in a circle and like, telling their story like it just yeah yeah I totally agree it was very sort of forced I I think it was unfortunate that Ryan and all the characters were un, sort of ashamed of his disability I think it would have been great even if it was an auntie or someone to say no you're beautiful as you are this is what makes you you um yeah i like there was such negative connotations all throughout even, quite frankly, I think Ryan was quite unlikable at times. Like, I'm yeah, just like, oh, yeah. you're a bit of an asshole. Like, this is, <laughs> you know. And that was quite nice that the mum's boyfriend did say, well, he's an asshole. <laughs> like, he can be disabled and be an asshole. Although I don't think he was a particularly nice guy in the end. But, yeah, like, you're right. He wasn't always a very redeemable character. I just felt like he felt like, Everybody revolved around him. And for me, even though I rely on other people's support, I'm always aware of how much I ask people for help and I try and support other people to sort of balance out our relationship so it's not always about me. And I I think that would have been really nice to have seen Ryan do something nice for someone else. Yeah, and I think that that was pointed out a little bit by his mum when it was her birthday and he didn't show up for her. He is quite he's quite a selfish young fellow at the end of the day. I mean, and the fact that he didn't really apologise that he stuffed up his grandmother's final outfit for her public viewing, like, yes, he completely misunderstood and that's, that's fine, but surely you would say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, Mum. Like, this was the one thing that I was meant to do and I didn't do it correctly. I can't make it up for, to you, but I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. He was a bit arrogant, which in a way is good that he wasn't this infantilised or perfect person with a disability, as we also often see, yeah. like, the innocent sort of trope. But in some ways I think you're right in that his arrogance wasn't necessarily a helpful depiction for the disabled community. And to be honest, to me, as someone sitting here with a disability, it sort of was like, oh, he doesn't have friends because he's an asshole, not because he has a disability. Yeah, and that could have been maybe teased out a little bit in the show. Yeah. Because we're supposed to think it's because he has a disability. Yeah. 
when clearly everyone else has friends. Yes. I do want to talk a little bit about disabled sex mm-hmm. depicted in the show. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm straight. Are, are you straight? I am or? straight. Yes. Yeah. So we're coming from a, a non-lived experience of, you know, talking about gay sex when we're, but I mean, it doesn't really super matter because, you know, we're still talking about sex, but I, I did like that we saw some perhaps more accurate depictions of sex in the show. In, in fact, even seeing disabled sex at all is very um, rare in TV and, and film. So I thought it was really good to see that. And it seems like that's what Ryan wanted to um, show in this in this TV show and wanted to sort of normalise it and show different ways of engaging with, with queer sex and disabled sex. So it was... Um, you know, not knowing from my own lived experience, but I thought that was a good depiction, particularly of how he engaged with the sex worker. And it was a really positive experience for him. Yeah. And then also the negative side of it when um, the other, the Hallmark dude was fetishizing him as well. I have to say that's probably the strongest part of the show for me. I think they depicted it really well. As you're saying, I'm, I'm a white single straight woman, so I don't truly know his experience, but I'd never seen it reflected in that way and I even felt like it was quite informative to be like, oh, that's how a disabled man has sex with an, with another man. Like just from a pure logistical point of view, I found, found it quite interesting and I think it was really important to add the sex worker in there as well because I know a lot of people with disabilities do go down that route and I think it's great to represent that and possibly reduce some of the stigma that society has. Yeah, absolutely. Like I really liked that scene and it was a really, when people think sex worker or, you know, the general public thinks sex worker, they don't necessarily have very positive thoughts in their head. Yeah. Even though it's a very thriving industry and a very valid industry. So seeing a really nice and quite tender experience of him losing his virginity um, to a sex worker and that being nothing to be shamed of, just just being like a nice moment. I thought that was pretty groundbreaking really. Absolutely. And to be honest, the sex worker was one of my favourite characters because he was one of the nicest. I'm like, oh, you're lovely. He was one of the friendliest, like genuinely nice people on the show. You know, this is where why I wanted to stay at the very top of the episode. Like I'm only one person with one perspective the, the show might represent other people's lives really well, but for me it sort of confirmed my internal bias of why I really struggle to watch disability a lot on television and movies because the depictions haven't yet represented something that I'm familiar with. This is sort of uh, off topic, but I'm curious, is there anything that has almost met that? sort of goal for you that that is close enough to your no the only my my favorite um disability based movie is called the untouchables came out quite a long time ago it's a french film and while it doesn't reflect my life at all it's a it's a man who is not quite in palliative care but he needs a lot of high intention care and his support worker is a young black hip guy that takes him out and sort of lives life and I I really enjoyed the joy that the show really had while disability can be really difficult my tagline in life is doesn't mean that it can't be happy 
And I think that for me is what I'm really drawn to. Awesome. I'll have to watch that. I haven't seen that one. It's nice when things are sort of on the cusp. And I even feel like with this show, it's a good start. It would be nice if Netflix let it keep going to see if it would evolve a little bit more too. Or even so, like to only, I'm not, I don't know Netflix catalogue very well, but I would hate to think that, that that's their only representation of a physical disability and they've taken that content off. I know they have, you know, a few bits and pieces, but, you know, if they're going to remove one show, at least replace it with another. Yeah, exactly. And I I feel like often, especially the Oscars, we talked about this in the last episode, they tend to sort of reward one depiction of disability or showcase you know, black actors or whatever it might be and then go, oh, we've done it. Yeah. Give ourselves a big clap and now we don't have to do anything else. We've ticked a box. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So hopefully this isn't, you know, the only sort of show that they put money behind that depicts this kind of thing. And I really hope Ryan and all his fellow actors with a disability gain more work. I'd hate to think that that's his only, only you know, major achievement because clearly to get Netflix to give you two seasons, there's really talent there. He just needs more time to maybe refine the message. And maybe um, consult. I think he did, from what I read, a lot of it was just from his own experience. It would have been maybe nice if he consulted a little bit more widely. And maybe he did that he didn't really talk about, but with other people with CP and what they want to see from a show or what sort of experiences they want him to depict. But again, as somebody with a disability, I sort of applaud him for the lack of a better word for the bravery of doing it because, you know, regardless of your best intentions, you're always going to annoy someone. Somebody isn't going to be going to be great. You're going to think you've done great. So while I can see, we can both see probably a lot of areas of improvement you know, without his willingness to share his experience, a lot of people wouldn't even, you know, have that opportunity to at least learn something. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think I think what struck me about it is it was one of the more real depictions that we've seen in 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 a, in I guess an intersexual area as well as as a as a gay man with a disability. And that's not common. Um so hopefully some people got something out of of that depiction. And I think it's, it shouldn't be, but I think it's quite brown, groundbreaking to have the main character with a disability, but also the actor themselves have a disability because there are so many shows out there where an able-bodied person plays a disabled person and, you know, there, there aren't enough opportunities for disabled people in acting to begin with. So it's great to see that Ryan had this opportunity. So we might just talk about some stereotypes, which we've probably touched on a little bit. Um, but I, to start with, are there any major stereotypes around disability that the show sort of used, which we really could have done without? I touched on it before. I think his lack of friends really didn't reflect uh, life. I also think that, um, you know, it was interesting how Kim sort of approached him and I I really liked Kim as a character. I thought she was great. Um, But the fact that even after the show ended, 
unless they had a romantic relationship with Ryan, he didn't really engage them in friendship. Yeah. So he had no other friend other than Kim at the end of the show, really. And yeah, again, it just proves to that stereotype that people with disabilities don't have friends, which I've often been asked before, do you have friends? So I know that that's the stereotype that I live with today. That's such a weird question to ask someone. Do you have friends? (laughs) It got to the point when I used to have support workers come in and help me in in the mornings where I'd have a wall like of all my friends because I was so sick of going, oh, yeah, there's this person and this person because I don't know why when you try and prove to people that you have friends, it feels fraudulent. Yeah. So I actually yeah. had physical you know, representations of my friends in my house. <laughs> the things you have to do to like prove yourself. One stereotype that I, well, it's not so much a stereotype, but one question I asked is, why why Ryan couldn't have been and of course he was playing himself so we we wouldn't have wanted him to not be authentic but it's never the most more severe disabilities that are portrayed like he wasn't um showing any use of mobility aids you know he he probably on the spectrum of disability was I don't like to use the term high functioning but he he would have probably met that Mm -hmm. criteria Mm -hmm. so it would have been nice to see a bit more of a range and I've talked about this before on other episodes it's always what's more presentable that gets depicted yeah I think palatability is still really a big issue when it comes to representing disability um the fact that really his only presentation with his disability was his limp his turned foot his weak arm and that and his scars and that was sort of it I I went to a cerebral palsy summit last week and um, it made me remember how much my um, speech pattern isn't me, it's actually my cerebral palsy. So I get self-conscious about how much I have to tell myself to take a breath. And I got on this summit and everybody was doing it and I'm like, oh, this is so amazing. You know, <laughs> it's not just me. It's not a weird quirk of Peter Victoria Hook. It's just cerebral palsy. And I think there's so much nuance that comes to cerebral palsy. I think it would have been great to have that better reflected. Um, I I was just going to say, even if he met some more people with cerebral palsy, to show the, the range a little bit more. Yeah, and, and I think it's also would have been really great to have actually seen some of his writing. Like even if, you know, they had have done those quotes up on the screen as he was writing it to sort of understand his intellectual capability and his, you know, skill with words, I think that would have been really great and sort of a missed opportunity. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, we don't actually really see any of the articles that he's published. We just assume. Yeah, so I I think it would have been better to sort of connect with the character a bit more because it was all very surface level to me there was definitely a wall up that he would show his disability to a point but he wasn't going to go too far and you know what that's his prerogative he has every right to do that but I think it would have been great to seen to have seen more vulnerability I think probably the closest that got to was when he needed his mum to come over and help unblock the toilet yes which I think was also supposed to be like a, oh, isn't, aren't things a little bit frustrating and annoying sometimes in a jokey way, but not necessarily a 
positive way. Yeah. And um, really, he's an adult. He also has the ability to call a plumber. That what that really wasn't an opportunity for mum and to come and do a heart to heart. Would have been much better if something a bit more dramatic happened and he needed to really lean on his mum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's a stereotype too. And maybe it's more about the character Ryan being very dependent on his mum rather than having anything to do with cerebral palsy, but the fact that he is so dependent on her in some ways when he doesn't necessarily have to be just because he has cerebral palsy. Yeah, may, may not be the best message. Yeah, and I think, again, that's where there was a real missed opportunity that there wasn't more people with cerebral palsy in the show for the audience to go, oh, that's just Ryan. That's not cerebral palsy as a whole. Any other stereotypes that you noticed that you want to discuss? I think the his inability to do tasks really annoyed me um, because, to me, that just doesn't ring true, as I said Kids with cerebral palsy are put into OT very, very early. Uh, I was learning how to spread butter on a piece of toast when I was very, very little to have that life skill. Um, And I think it would have been great to have seen a more capable, internally confident person with a disability that didn't have to hide behind his very obvious disability. On that note too, I was just thinking it would be nice to see some of those, like some OTs on the show as well, because I come from an allied health background and I always like to see good representation of my field. Oh, yeah. And there was absolutely none in this show. No, we had no medical appointments. Nothing, yeah. And then there was that sort of flashback where he had his walking frame and there was this sort of debate between his mum and her mum that he needs to learn to walk and that she wasn't really pushing it. But the grandma was saying, come on, you stop, got to stop baby him. How did you find that flashback scene? It's a very common trope when it comes to disability. There's such, I even did an episode on my podcast about my relationship with walking and my inability to walk. Um, There's so much pressure I felt for myself about the fact that I couldn't walk and there was still like a trope that I came across quite often, like a lot of my friends are getting married and there would be a conversation of, oh, would you do physiotherapy so you could walk down the aisle? And like, so there's all this internal pressure to walk. So I, it really resonated with me that that conversation was there. I think that's very true. But I think his cerebral palsy was so, lack of a better word, mild that he would have been walking by that age anyway. Um, and, you know, walking isn't everything. And I think it would have been great if that would have been depicted a bit better. I agree. Like, I felt really in two minds about that scene because on one hand, like, because I have a toddler as well. So I understand, and I often work with kids as a psychologist. So I, I understand needing to sort of push them to their, what limits they have and so that they learn and so they pick things up and they they progress Um, but at the same time the push for him to walk that he has to walk and he should be walking I felt really uncomfortable with that that huge um, value placed on walking when you know if he grew up if he didn't get the chance to walk he would still be okay that wouldn't have been a failure or or a loss necessarily absolutely he was disabled but he could walk so is he really disabled not sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One thing I wanted to sort of touch on was 
anything that subverted the stereotypes at all? Probably uh, Ryan's ongoing ability to gain new partners. Like, I think that was um, pretty powerful and um, sort of against what society thinks as far as how difficult it is to find love with a disability. Um, I also think it was really powerful that majority of his sexual partners didn't themselves have a disability because um, many people, including myself, many people have asked me whether I would only date somebody with a disability or someone in a wheelchair. And like, to me, that's very limiting. You fall in love with the person, not just because they have a disability. So I think that was really good. Yeah, I agree. And it looked like towards the end, he kind of had to make a choice between partners, which is very Hollywood. But oh, yes. also, um, you know, why doesn't the disabled character get to do that as well? So just like everyone else um, in Hollywood. I did wonder, though, it looked – I kind of liked that he didn't end up Henry with Henry. Like, it wasn't a, a sort of done thing because then it, the message might have been like, oh, he can't be with the able-bodied person. He's better off with the disabled person. So I, they could have ruined it there. Yeah, absolutely. He fits into – yeah, they he fits into societal's box of what it is to be in love with a disability. You have to fall in love with someone with a disability. So I think it was really great that he remains single at the end. Yeah, I agree with that. And in as much as I've written in my notes, I love that he has such a close bond with his mum. And I think even though they're very codependent and she sort of enable, like brings him down quite a bit and makes him very dependent on her and vice versa, I think because I'm a mum and a mum of a young child, I resonated a lot with that in just like not wanting them to leave the nest. I think I'm going to be a bit like her when, when my son grows up because I, I'm sort of one of those very clingy people. So See, that's really interesting. I would have assumed with your medical background and your understanding the need to sort of push kids to, their, to get yeah, to that yeah, level yeah. that you would have understood why his mum probably wasn't as true to the experiences that I've seen. Everybody I know have always been like, I want them to live as independently as we possibly could. I, I completely do get that, that side of it for sure. And I have worked a lot with mums who are on two ends of that spectrum where they want their kid to be super independent and then on the other end of no, it's it's almost that very that strong attachment that's not a healthy attachment. Yeah. Um, I think I've got an okay, <laughs> not too unhealthy attachment with my son, but I can also just see where that comes from yeah. and that need to be close. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm probably just talking as a single non-mother here. <laughs> Maybe I'll learn. But I'm not uh, not suggesting that you have to be a mum to feel those things at all. So, <laughs> um, it, yeah, I think just where I'm at in my journey, that, that resonated a lot with me. Um, and also as a little kid, he just seemed so cute and I just wanted to cuddle him. <laughs> well, shall we move on to whether we thought it was more helpful or harmful as a show and what was helpful about sure. it to start with? I sort of, my first thought was I liked seeing a little tiny bit of assistive technology in it. Like when he was sending the text message and was using Siri or whatever to, to send the text. And it did bring up quite a lot of issues around disability, including things like internalised ableism, fetishising, inspiration porn, a lot of those things. More towards the end of the series, but there was a lot there that maybe people wouldn't have really known about. Mm. Again, I think it goes down to 
who the show was for. Um, as somebody with a disability, there were parts in there that I found really helpful, but to be honest, there were more negative. I, I found it really hard to watch. Um, and I probably wouldn't have kept watching it if I didn't have to talk to you on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. Steph. Um, but I, but again, like it, it, I think any sort of representation that's nuanced and as it went on, I think it became more nuanced in illustrating Ryan's life. Um, but I think probably it was for people who don't live with a disability and that's where I'm probably the wrong person to ask whether it was beneficial or not because I don't think it was for yeah, me. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Um, and it's funny coming from two sides of of the show and, and how it, each of us sort of felt whether it was helpful or not because I think you're right. I don't think it was necessarily made for the disability community but it was bringing up a lot of maybe disabled issues that, the disability community have been around their entire lives and making that in a palatable way um, in, in that in the narrative. Mm-hmm. What do you think was particularly harmful about this show? And you've probably mentioned some of this already, sorry. I, I just think it, I was so sad for Ryan. Like I think he had a pretty horrible life a lot of the way through the show. Like I certainly wouldn't want his his life. It made me sad that... He didn't feel confident in himself and his disability. He didn't feel like he was capable to sort of take on the world despite the many challenges as somebody with a disability. I felt really sad that his mum didn't fully support him in living the life that he he wanted. And I felt really sad that he wasn't progressing in his career and he had to quit in order to do something different. And I guess... Did having those depictions that made you feel that way, and I agree, it was was a pretty sad experience that he had, particularly having to quit and not getting anywhere. Do you think that could have a harmful message to anyone watching? I think it probably wrongfully reconfirms people's bias on what it means to live with a disability. Um, I'd be really interested to think what my friends and family would think of the show. I think they would be as frustrated as I am, um, because as disabled people, you're constantly fighting against low expectations. And for me, this show really, a lot of the time, reconfirmed those low expectations of what Ryan's life could be. Mm-hmm. You really hit the nail on the head with mum not being supportive because there's so many ways that he, even when he did try to be independent and if, if he you know, didn't quite work out, she, her immediate response is frustration and like oh, you can't like you can't make a toasted tea sandwich and things like that. Yes, um, which is just not very encouraging. And again, she speaks to those low standards that she didn't expect anything more from him. And I also think you know a lot of society thinks oh it's you know it's great for disabled people to have a life and and live independently and maybe get a job, but it's a very small life. Don't don't want anything more than that. Don't want a family. Don't want a bigger house. Don't want career expectations that are higher than just being an intern. I I really hope that maybe one day, like the guy that Kim slept with, that was oh, the yeah, app, yeah. developer, you know, entrepreneur, that that could have been a disabled person. Like that would be amazing. He's kind of boxed himself in a little bit, Ryan, in telling this tale when those storylines that you mention are, are sort of the able-bodied people 
having those experiences. I think there's maybe there's still quite a bit of internalized ableism in Ryan O'Connell, it seems. Yeah, I, overall, I just felt really sorry for him and wanted to give him a hug and take him out for a drink and say, you know what, life can be a lot bigger than the life that you've got right now. It's true. In the show, he you don't really see any great expectations he has for his life. He's not talking about having a family or wanting to move somewhere else or anything like that. He was just happy with the status quo. And I don't think that's a normal thing for a 28-year-old. Completely agree. <laughs> See, I think we agree pretty much. There, I think what you've mentioned about this show, I've had like little thoughts about, but I th- sort of thinking this is, you know, from my perspective, I'm not sure. So it's 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 kind of nice to feel that we're on the same page with, with a lot of this. Um, but it's also very edu- educational for me, um, knowing that this depiction is just one depiction and for everyone else to know that too. I think my ending message would be, regardless of whether the character had a disability or not, try and place yourself in their shoes and would you be happy with their life if you had to swap? And I think if your gut says no, regardless of whether they have a disability or not, that's your answer. I want to just mention this quote from Ryan, which I think sort of shows where we're at with uh, the world of, of movies, TV and disability. So he's just, he's just I think this was for Vulture, and he said, it's also stressful, by the way, to be one of the first disabled leads on TV. It's overwhelming because I know that special is not going to speak for every disabled person's experience. It can never be. You can't speak for everyone. But when you're one of the first people that gets the seat at the table, there's a lot of pressure on you. I hope that special is a success so that other stories can be fucking told. <laughs> he swears a lot. Disabled people need to be empowered. Growing up disabled and gay, I didn't think, I'm going to be an actor. I could be starring in my own show. Are you fucking crazy? I was just thinking, God, I hope I get off my leg braces by the age of 12. I didn't think that was meant for me. There was no seat at the table for me. I had to wedge myself in between and insert my own fucking self. Um, And I think that quote sort of encompasses what we were sort of thinking and that this is only one story, but hopefully what despite all its flaws, hopefully this one story opens the door for more stories and also recognising the pressure to represent (laughs) a lot of people. Um, So it was good to know that he is thinking about that while he was making it. Absolutely. I mean, as we said before, he's very brave. I don't think I could do what he's done. But in saying that, Ryan's real life, to me, is more interesting than what was depicted on the show. Like if there was a reality show that watched him develop the show and watch a disabled person succeed in this way and go into meetings with Netflix and be able to share his voice, like that to me is where the real acorn is. Yes, I would agree. I think that would be a super powerful thing to see and also, yeah, also maybe a little bit more interesting as well. You know, because clearly Ryan's life is... a Real Ryan, Ryan O'Connell's life is much more interesting than the life that he wrote for special. So the first category is lived experience. Do you think it gets a point given that Ryan is someone with cerebral palsy or do you think it could have done more? Absolutely, it gets a point from me, even if it doesn't represent my lived experience. It represents his and it represents can represent someone's so absolutely I think it gets a point and the fact that it 
has someone with a lived experience playing the role, I think is so important. Peter approves. Excellent. So the next one was uh, accuracy. What do we think? Is it an accurate enough de- depiction to get a point or did there need to be some more? See, this is where I don't think yeah, it yep. was meant for me. So I don't know whether I'm the right person to answer that question. And I'm not either. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. I, I think if I was being brave and not worrying about me possibly saying the wrong thing, I'm probably going to err on and say no. Mm-hmm. I think there's some major, from what I can understand, some major inaccuracies in the show, despite some accuracies. So perhaps it doesn't balance out. So I'm happy to accept the non-approval. <laughs> and stereotypes, is it too stereotypical a depiction to get a point or um, does it do pretty well with stereotypes, do you think? I think the fact that it represented a gay disabled man, I think it gets a tick because it broke so many barriers of what it means to live with a disability when you consider that aspect of the show. I think there was some room for improvement, but I I agree. I think that was a hugely groundbreaking aspect of it. And helpful or harmful? Is it more helpful or more harmful? I'm going to say helpful uh, because I'm surprised. I I think any form of representation, particularly on such a great big platform like Netflix can only be helpful because it illustrates to the audience and Netflix that this sort of content needs to be created. It's valuable. It's got, you know, a very clear point of view and voice. Um, And I think only more and more representation can be a good thing. Absolutely. I think for me, as someone without without cerebral palsy, I found it helpful for my own self. So hopefully that is passed on to other viewers and I I think it was fairly popular but obviously not you know Bridgerton popular um but hopefully it it reaches more audiences and gets Netflix creating more shows that represent disability that could go to a whole nother conversation Steph (laughs) uh you know disability is not sexy like Bridgerton we need to keep working on that (laughs) oh it would be nice if there was some more disabled characters and big ticket Netflix shows like Bridgerton for sure. Well, yes, well, possibly not, because in that sort of era, we weren't really around. We were put in homes and things like that. But hey. Oh, it's not the most accurate possible. show, though, let's be honest. <laughs> well, this is true. It's true. There's some embellishments there. But yeah, that's another podcast for another time. Thank you so much for having me. I think we covered everything. Um, is there anything you want to plug or anything that's happening that you'd like our listeners to know? Um, I'm very happy if any of them would be willing to have a listen to my podcast. They're super short. They're only about 10 to 15 minutes every week. And um, I'm very passionate about what I do. I'm sure you'll put all my links in your description, Steph. So I would be thrilled to have people coming over and listening to me on there. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Peter. It was a delight to talk to you. You too, Steph. Thank you so much for letting me talk about this before. It's been such a pleasure. Excellent. And thank you for watching a show you didn't particularly love for me. (laughs) It was educational. Thanks very much for listening to Psycho Cinematic Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review, five stars only, please, on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods. And subscribe to our Patreons for some sweet bonus content coming up. Catch you next time.
This podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive, or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app.